welcome to the Huntback Country Podcast, and thank you for taking the time to tune in today. Our guest on this episode is one of you. It's a listener, and we hear his story about going from Alabama to Wyoming on the first mule deer hunt that he's ever taken, and he had some success. We'll hear about that story. We'll understand what helped him create that plan, make the hunt happen, and ultimately fill his tag. I'm sure it'll be inspirational and informational for you, so looking forward to sharing it with you. Before we dive into that show, wanted to thank The Turk for his iTunes review. He had some good feedback on the podcast, which we appreciate, and he also had a question. Where can you see Exo Mountain Gear packs in person? Because we don't sell um, through dealers or retailers, we don't have physical locations to point you to across the country. But it is that time of year when we do hit the road a little bit and come out and like to see you guys interact with you. And if at all possible, see us this month in February at two places. One in Portland, Oregon for the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show. And number two in Salt Lake City for Hunt Expo. If you can make it to either of those places, we'd love to see you, meet you. And even if you're not interested in a pack, just stop by and say hello. Outside of that, we do offer a 30-day trial period with every pack purchase. We understand that purchasing a pack is a big decision, and we want to make sure that you receive the pack, can test load your gear, test it with some weight, adjust the fit, make sure it's everything you want it to be before you're fully committed. As always, guys, if you have any questions, whether that's about the podcast or about the packs, we're just happy to personally help you. Reach out to us by email, give us a call, we'd be happy to help. You can find all that information at exomountgear.com. All right, let's dive into this show and understand first-time mule deer success. Well, Chris, welcome to the Hunt Backcountry Podcast. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for asking me to be on. As you guys might hear, Chris, you you got to be from the South, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't realize how bad I sound until I hear myself. Uh, oh, I love it. I love the South accent. That's cool. Yeah, I'm born in uh, Huntsville, Alabama and been here my whole life and uh, probably stay right here, I reckon, you know? Yeah, that's cool. So you, you reached out... Um, just to us via the podcast you listen to the podcast and kind of um you know shared some stories from the fall and i thought there'd be great lessons to learn and a lot of your story could be relatable to listeners and so i threw it out here to get you on the show so i'm glad you could make that happen but before we dive into the hunt and all that go ahead and um you know any personal background you want to share hunting background you want to share just kind of context for listeners go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself yeah um like i said i'm from uh, North Alabama, been deer hunting, you know, uh, since about 14. Um, outdoors guy, you know, hunt, fish, float, hike, camp, uh, do a lot of kayaking. So just, you know, just like about everybody up here around my house uh, that grew up out here, uh, hunting is a big part of your uh, conversation daily, even when it's not in season. You know, either prepping fields or, you know, getting cabin, doing cabin work or whatever. It's just, you know, just how we grew up. Most people around here, that's from here. And, uh, you know, just uh, hunting buddies that you made from uh, eighth grade or earlier, you're still your hunting buddies today. So, so it's, it's just good times, you know, and trying to get your family and friends and kids all hunting together. It's just, uh, you know, it's what we do. Uh my, you know, what I do for a living is uh, I work on an arsenal. Uh, there's a redstone arsenal out here close to us, and uh, I do uh, maintenance for the army. And uh, and then, and I think in a lot of ways that helped me a lot on uh, planning a hunt. Uh, and we can talk more about that on in the, in this podcast. But uh, I think that's some of the biggest struggles. Uh, people like myself who's wanting to go cross country and do a hunt to a state that they may have never been before. It's just overwhelming so much planning and, and it happened and, uh, what do you got to do? And, uh, I looked up and found your podcast, uh, uh, last year and I've exhausted it. Uh, so many episodes y'all talk about is just spot on what we or, you know, if you just go back through your podcast, if I could tell anybody who's wanting to go out west, you need to go back through your podcast and exhaust it and listen to it. And uh, and I, it's pretty much for me. Uh, this whole last year, uh, I, I just give up radio in a truck and just podcast on the way to work. I got a 45 minute ride both, you know, there and, and home. So I just podcasted all the way back, you know, driving 
and mm. it just uh, I've turned a lot of people onto it too. It's just uh, you know, you listen to the radio all the time, and next thing you know, you're gonna you want to buy a car. You know, we'll <laughs> go buy a car if we can. You know, and, and now you're buying really, hunting tags instead. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just it really helped me open my eyes up. You know, I went out west a couple of times on some antelope hunts, and uh, went out one time on uh, some cow tags. You know, just inexpensive stuff, just to have a good time with hunting buddies. Mm-hmm. And it's always been on a bucket list, you know, to go out and, you know, get a good mule deer and, you know, go up high country and live out your backpack for, you know, five, 10 days and uh, just a lot of prep that has to happen. And uh, that's really why I reached out to you the last time. You know, y'all answered a question for me I had earlier in the season about water. That was a big concern of mine, you know, finding water and, you know, processing the water and, you know, and then, uh, what one of your podcasts uh i can't remember which one it is but it, it comes up quite often processing water how to find water what you should do you know use a platypus you know use a sawyer squeeze filter but you know just it, to have somebody who does it all the time to reconfirm that uh you know and to put that away is that part of the problem is solved not have to worry about it anymore it's big yeah. and that's what i would say i got the most of these podcasts is uh, uh, if you don't know, you don't want to have to guess. You just want good information to put that part of the variable that you can control uh, away as solved. So, you know, I've learned, and you, I know y'all know this, but buying the gear is the easiest part. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, in the beginning, you're, you're torqued about that because you don't want to get, but after you learn, that's the easy part, you know, going buying the parts and the, that's the easy to putting the hunt together, uh, making it happen. Uh, that's the tough part. And that's mm-hmm. not. Yeah. So yeah, this fall you went to Wyoming f- for mule deer. I'm curious, um, why Wyoming and maybe why mule deer? I mean, so many guys tend to do, um, an elk hunt out West, that type of thing. And you mentioned you've done antelope and some cow elk hunts, but Mule deer was just always something you wanted to tackle. Is that why you went after that species? And then how and why did you pick Wyoming? Yeah, um, mule deer has always been, uh, whatever the reason, uh, the North American animals, they all, I mean, they're, they're all on the bucket list. And, uh, uh, you know, elk is definitely on the bucket list. And it's, you know, preference points I'm buying right now. And, uh, but mule deer, um, we, you know, we went to Wyoming several times on antelope hunts because it's pretty, uh, well, it used to be a whole lot easier than it is now. Uh, it like it was easier to draw tags. I started coming out there in 08 and went a couple years in a row and had good times. And, uh, uh, but all, you know, you'd bump mule deer. I was, now I was going over toward Bill on that end of Wyoming, you know, and I got invited out one year with a guy and, uh, Went out, had a great time, drove out. Uh, and then, you know, once you get it kind of uh, stayed under the uh, under your belt, uh, going out and understanding how to put in for tags and all that, you kind of, I guess you gravitate back to that state. And uh, uh, Wyoming is, uh, it may be a hard state to draw or put in preference points and, and the whole, all that madness you have to do to get it you know get put in correctly but i've always been successful you know uh as far as getting it accomplished online so i just gravitated toward wyoming and uh so i knew and also i knew it had great mule deer right so we kind of well ain't no we my hunting buddy had not do it but I, I just blew it this year when i put in uh for mule deer you know we had to agree to do a mule deer hunt and uh it's just hard to find people who want to commit to go out there you know and uh uh who can who one who's got the vacation two who wants to spend the money and uh and, and get the gear you know so i got a hunting buddy i've known since uh i guess by eighth grade and man he's top shelf and uh i finally he went out one year early with an antelope hunt and uh and i think 2010 and uh so we i asked him if he wanted to go out there on a mule deer hunt he said you know he would and i was excited because uh he's a, a type of guy that uh you want in a foxhole you know what i'm saying he's that guy mm-hmm. top shelf hunt partner so I, if i knew he said he was going to go he'd commit and he would uh get the gear and 
you know, get in shape because you don't want a guy out there who's not in shape. So, uh, but we was going to put in for a region eight because, uh, you know, we just want to go out and get one under a belt and get him. I wanted him to go out and have a successful hunt. And uh, so we was going to put in at region eight because I've looked over the years for mule deer and it was pretty high uh, draw odds, you know. But, you know, but the deer over there on that side of the state is not as big I guess you could you could come across a decent deer, but not as big as the ones on the west side of the state. But you know, from Alabama, a guy from Alabama who's never killed a mule deer, you know, I'm a meat hunter anyway. Um, so it really didn't matter to us. So on the day of the put in on the draw, we uh well, I was gonna put in a party group, uh, like I've done for goat hunts and stuff, and uh and the last minute, you know, I just uh said, you know what, I'm putting in for a region G tag, first choice, a region H tag, second choice, and then a region A, third choice. Because I really never had done that before, and I just totally didn't know what I was doing on first choice, second choice, third choice. And uh, no preference points. None of us, neither one of us had any preference points. Hmm. And put in for it. And then, of course, I called him or texted him the party group number. And uh, so he could just put in, you know, the same thing. And uh, a couple of weeks later, we was talking, and he's like, uh, man, I just don't know about, you know, we're going to get a tag. I said, oh, shoot, worst comes to worst, we'll be over in Region A. And, uh, and then I started thinking about what I said. So I, and it freaked me out. So I called out there and talked to a game fish department. And uh, then I got off the phone with him. And I told my buddy, I said, you know, we may not be going at all because uh, it don't work like that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, tag. And, uh, so I was a nervous wreck. And, uh, when we, you know, when they posted the tags, I checked and it said we was successful, you know, and I thought, all right, it's on, you know, and the whole time we're thinking to go in region a November 1st. And I looked down there and we got a region, uh, G and I looked, I said, Oh my God, we got picked for my first choice. No preference points region G but the kicker was it opens up September the 15th and that's a big difference in planning. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, you know, uh, I felt like I won the lottery, you know, I feel like I had a, a, a free pass to Hawaii or something. I was trying to <laughs> explain how, how rare this jewel was to my wife. And she just, yeah. like, really, you know, another, <laughs> I'm sitting, no, I'm sitting, no, you don't understand. This is like people wait, <laughs> 15 years, 13 years, 10 years of preference points to get this tag. And I got it, you know. So it really turned up uh, the seriousness, you know. Uh, yeah. from, if I was going to go over and hunt, hunt up on the Black Hills, I might have stayed in a hotel room, you know, and just kind of glass to a fountain deer, then started camping. This trip required us to go out, you know, drive out there, and the day we pull up, we're camping. And, uh, you know, uh, it was just a lot of thought to it, but mule deer has always been on, on my, uh, bucket list. It's something I wanted. And, uh, I just couldn't believe it was, we put it together successfully. Both of us tagged out. That's awesome. And, uh, and it's, you know, uh, so many people, you know, you two, especially from your podcasts, uh, uh, there's, you know, uh, just, YouTube video, so many different things now that makes people who like me, who's never, you know, to, to pick a game, go out of state, go to a spot you've never been before, uh, plan your hunts, then get there and find game and, you know, put it together and, you know, get it home successfully. I don't know if you could do that uh, 15 years ago or 10 years, you know, 10 years possibly, 15 years ago, we've been tough. I'm, I'm sure people did it. Yeah. Oh, with uh, podcasts, YouTube, you know, Onyx Maps, uh, these, all this stuff, it's there. It's just so, uh, and I think that's why I've seen some locals out there and they was really surprised how many, you know, people was hunting in that area. And, uh, and they're, you know, they're, they're, Wyoming's always been great to me. Everybody I've met out there is just uh, super friendly, crazy friendly, almost like, you don't know how to take it. They're so great. <laughs> <laughs> right? awesome. It's not like that. You know, uh, I mean, he called 
fish in Wyoming, that levels, I mean, you 20 minute conversation, you know, and you, you, you call uh, anybody in Alabama, man, it's short. If you don't ask it, they're not going to tell you. And it's hard to get anything out of anybody down here. So you guys, you guys drew, obviously got the results. One thing that, um, you know, really stood out to me in your notes that you had sent over is you wrote that you set a goal to allow success. And then by that, you said you put detailed calendar checks in place um, to ensure that everything was ready for opening day. So I think that's a really smart strategy, especially for a new hunt is you get draw results or maybe it's an over the counter of the tag, but you know, it's a new process for you. And maybe it's this time of year, right? Like winter. Um, and you know that this hunt's coming up and, you know, let's call it six to seven months. What did that look like for you? And when you sat down and kind of built out that calendar of, here's what I need to do. Here's what needs to be done by when. Um, I just think that'd be really helpful for you to walk through that a little bit for guys who are also planning hunts that are new to them. Sure. Um, that goes, to, you know, I'm, how I'm wired is I've got to get everything that I can control tight. And uh, something, the variables that you have no control over, that's, that's hunt. Um, so I literally went on Excel and printed off uh, calendars you know, blank calendars. And, uh, uh, we, the, one of the first thing was the deadline, you know, uh, are we going out to hunt opening morning? Or are we going out to hunt mid season and letting all the locals get their, get out of the areas, you know, and we're walking in, you know, and not horse riding in or, you know, all that. So, you know, we, we're planning to get three to five miles off the trailhead somewhere, but I mean, everybody else is too, right? So, we, we finally settled in on going out there and hunting opening morning, you know, going in. And, so that gave us our when we got to be in the woods. So we literally went in there and got Excel spreadsheets and uh, uh, had, you know, of course, fitness. As soon as you got the tag, if you start fitness in, you're early behind the curve. So fitness started for me uh, January 1st of Eighteen, uh, nineteen, nineteen, and uh, and I had a long ways to go uh, before I got out there. So that I'm not going to put all the fitness in, but I will put in the the rucking. And I use your y'all's podcast on, uh, you know, uh, how to hike heavy, and uh, I can't remember all the numbers now, but uh, I think it's one thirty two. Uh, and then, you know, you I listen to the podcast about your death pikes and all that stuff that's coming up. They've all got one coming soon. And then that really, uh, and then, and me too, uh, uh, I had 90 days dealing with gear, uh, rooking. I rooked heavy, uh, three days a week for 90 days. Uh, and my end weight was about 60 pounds and, uh, but the calendar for me, I have to have certain dates, certain things. And we had blocked out dates for e-scouting, uh, dates for uh, going out and doing test camps with the gear that we uh, have purchased. And, uh, you know, and I pretty much, uh, if I didn't know what to get, I went to your podcast and I think it's 160 budget backpacking gear. And a lot of the stuff I used was exactly what y'all recommended uh i hope we didn't mess your trip up <laughs> no, I, that's I, awesome what's, what's what was so hard about it all is i've been camping for a long i mean i camp all the time but there's a big difference and if anybody's listening to this and they don't understand this they need to really get it clear that it's a big difference from camping glam camping or truck camping or camping on the at because i do that too hiking the at versus going up and hunting high country. I mean, I literally at the end, I was getting uh, kitchen scales, uh, food scales and weighing beanies, my hats, you know, <laughs> you know, gloves, you know, just trying to strip it down, get the weight. Cause uh, uh, you know, everybody talks about hiking around with hundred pounds on their back. But I'm going to tell you something. If you ain't did that before, you don't want to find out how that feels out there in, in, in the, in the high country. You know, yeah. That's, that's a man right there doing that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. what, uh, what was it? What did your pack end up weighing after you went through you the know, process uh, of going through your gear? Base weight with nothing in it. You know, uh, I, I wish I had that number, but 
Um, <clears throat> I would say just the pack itself, you know, I probably had uh, 25 pounds or something like that, 20 pounds. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know I did. And I really, truly, and I, this is, and I'm telling somebody who's not, never been out there, just go to 160 budget backpacking gear. And if you don't know what to buy, just buy that. Because I pretty much used, you know, the Nemo tent. It was tough to buy that tent because I have a good single one-man tent. And I love it, but it weighs four pounds. And mm. uh, I'm like, you know, I went and bought uh, some uh, spotting glass, you know, because that's something I needed to get because they don't use that in Alabama. Uh, and that was a, that thing weighed, uh, my Viper uh, spotting glass probably weighs seven, eight pounds. And once you put that kind of weight in there and you put a tripod in there, you're like, it's getting stupid quick. Of <laughs> <laughs> course, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to carry uh, my platypus two liter water bag full of water, you know, cause I don't know if I'm, when I'm going to find water. So I'm, you know, I'm toting just weight. And uh, so, so that's why when I was trucking uh, three days a week, I found uh, that, you know, once I got to got up to that 50 pounds, I knew that wasn't going to be enough, but it was about all I could handle and do it consistently. And the use of trekking poles, man, that's a lifesaver. Trekking mm-hmm. poles, you know, people, uh, you know, they look at you funny in Alabama when you're walking in a wood. <laughs> but they don't know what they are, you know. Right. Some kind of weird guy out there with skis. Um, so, yeah, but you had to, and trekking poles, that was a big knee saver for me uh, coming, especially bring that deer down. I have never had that coming kind of weight on my back. Yeah, uh, coming down is tough of that weight. It is, and uh, I didn't. I was, you know, trying to get all I could get down back to base camp without having to go back up there, and uh, it was tough. It was real tough. Hmm. But you know, the, the planning, the the calendar, you. I think you got to have that if you have never done it before, because it's so easy to start packing that pack you know, two months in advance. And then when you get closer to the hunt, you're actually having to unpack it to, to see what you packed because you'll forget something. And, uh, and, and, you know, it gives you deadlines. It requires you to have X at a certain time and it keeps you focused on the big plan. Yeah. Uh, so I could, I couldn't stress that more. I couldn't imagine trying to do it without having some kind of uh, calendars that, uh, that you can just got to be here on this date and you hit that goal and hit that goal and just continue to work across. Cause you know, uh, it, if you just wait and try to throw it all together in the last 40 days, I think you're, you're not setting yourself up for good success. Yeah. That's smart. How did you feel? Um, I mean, it sounds like obviously you did, you did good training for sure, but you know, there's limitations in Alabama in terms of obviously incline as well as a big elevation difference even though it was flatter and at a lower elevation, um, how did you feel like that training helped prepare you, you know, for that mountain hunt? You know, altitude struggles was, it's, it's legit and it's rough. And, uh, you know, me and my buddy, Danny, uh, he's a, he's far more active than I am. He owns a brick mason company and works and tears scaffolding down. And, you know, he's just always moving and of course i do more sediment i'm not near as moving as much as he is and so i knew i had a struggle to get in shape just to get you know normal average you know and uh so uh i went to my calendar you know uh before i went to wyoming i was running uh three miles three days a week uh i was i had took a, a tire off one of my trucks and uh loaded it with weight hooked the chain to it and i'd drag it around the neighborhood and got a lot of stares. I'm telling you, when you're dragging a tire around the neighborhood on asphalt, people will stare at you. Uh, <laughs> you just got to do it. You know? uh, but uh, I think it was on uh, uh, YouTube, uh, Atomic Athlete or somebody. I, I hate yeah. to if I got that right. But he shows you how to build a tire drag, and uh, that worked good. And that's uh, that'll get you on your toes and get you leaning. And I did that. And, uh, and, you know, and Rook, just really sweating that bag in, putting heavy weight in your bag. Uh, I did that. And I found uh, a little mountain. Now, you know, there's not big mountains in Alabama, but I found a spot. It's some greenway, some green, uh, some public land that had a, I could get 600 feet elevation oh, by, nice. walk, by walking a power line. Uh, around here, they got power lines that go over hills and they just bush hog them. Uh, 
kind of scrubby. But believe it or not, I got out there and looked, and somebody else was doing it too, you know. So it was a trail run up down that hill. So I did that three days a week, uh, and, and, and that's how I got my elevation. And I would time myself uh, climbing that hill. And every time I did it, I tried to beat that time just a mm. little bit, you know. And then it got easier and easier. Uh, uh, and that's that was the that's all I could do, you know. And when I got out there in Wyoming, you know, we drove out straight. Well, we didn't drive straight through. I was smarter. I did that before. That's too hard on me. But we, but we, we drove, you know, uh, drove in and got there about two o'clock. And uh, I had a, a four season. I used. I got a Cabela Guide Gear camp tent that I've used before, and I didn't know if we were going to set up a base camp and then go up, or just go up and get up in them hills quick as we could. Uh, and we ended up doing that. We just ended up loading our packs up and just just got in there on the trailhead and went in. And uh, and it, you know, with all the condition, I was in the, by far the best shape I've been in since I played high school ball. But regardless of that, uh, after I went about three and three and a half miles in, uh, it was getting on me. It was, you know, I was getting tired, and it wasn't like I was. Uh, my legs were tired. It's like. It's like you're you're uh, once you ran into the, hit that wall, you would get tired. You'd stop for a second, and then I don't know, fifteen seconds, you'd have it back, and you'd go up another twenty, fifty foot in elevation, and you had to stop. And it's like you just you run out. And uh, that was, but I've I've come in that before in, in Wyoming. I knew that was going to be a problem. And I don't know how to train out of elevation other than just be in better shape. Uh, and that's what I couldn't stress anything more to a, a, a Alabama guy or somebody in the South going out west. Uh, fitness is everything. If you're going to do a, a backcountry hunt unguided, uh, you've got to be in shape. And if you're not in shape, you might as well stay at the house. Uh, you know, you just, I don't think you have a chance if you ain't, if you don't have uh fitness with you. This is a new species for you. Um, a new part of the States, you know, one of the biggest barriers, obstacles, questions we get, um, on this type of hunt for guys is how do you narrow down where you're going to hunt? Um, you know, for some guys that's choosing a unit, obviously for you, you had uh, drawn a certain region, but within that region what were you looking for how did you pick your spot or spots and just kind of that whole process for you personally for e-scouting um how did you narrow things down well for me um i have cow hunted real close to that area i was going you know i was it just count the uh teton mountains over there at bridger teton area i had cow hunted back there a couple of years ago with another hunting buddy out there. Uh, so I knew uh, the general area, the towns in that area, you know, where to stop and get uh, gas and, you know, groceries. And I was, I was it was comfortable to me. Um, so that was the reason I, reason I, I was trying to get G or H, any of those uh, general areas or regions, because I was familiar with that a little bit. And, <clears throat> when we picked, got drawn for a G, then it went to uh, dates and what areas. And it, it was like three areas we could hunt uh, around the September 15th time. And then after that, it goes, you know, to Onyx and listening. And, and you know, the be, part of being a good hunter is successful hunters are always scouting. I mean, if I'm talking to you and you're talking about something and you're living in Wyoming or Montana and you talk and you drop a city, a date or uh, anything that would clue me in on a good spot, you kind of mark it. And uh, so listen to podcasts. Uh, i tell you another one, Randy Newber. Uh, I've watched a lot of his stuff. He really promotes, you know, do-it-yourself hunts. And, um, and that's where I found Onyx maps. Uh, I've heard, you know, different podcasts talking about it. And I think I've talked about it. And then Randy Newberg pretty promotes it. And just a lot of people promote Onyx maps and Google earth. And, uh, I've used Google earth in the past, but Onyx got that. And then, um, I can't remember which one of your podcast it is, but it's one of the older ones that talks about, uh, uh maybe it's number three 
uh, I wrote some notes here, Dan. I think it is the Mule Deer Scouting for Success with Jason Wright. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, a very okay. early one. Yeah, that, you know, I went, once I found y'all, I think the podcast that turned me on to y'all was the one, the head to head spotting scope review. I think it's <laughs> number 57, you know, and once I got, you know, used to y'all talking and how y'all exhausted spotting scopes and it reached a checklist, I had to buy a spotting scope and I just took what you said and I did it. And I bought one that was, you know, I bought, I ended up buying a Viber HD, a 1545, a 65. That's what I had to pick and for my budget. And, um, but I just went back through the, the podcast and then I was looking for, you know, what kind of ridges, you know, glassing points or water and, you know, access. And, and then, you know, Onyx, the way it, you know, it gives you some of the layers where you can find, areas that's not real close to a road or a trail by the way it grays it out or kind of whitens it out mm-hmm. me and my hunting, hunting partner danny we just sit down blocked out times to just do uh uh e-scouting you know take google earth and take onyx maps and and kind of work them together and find spots that look like that would be what we're after you know the the, the sun's coming up east sitting in the west you know all that kind of stuff and not and also too being uh a hunter trying to get off the trail a little bit you know as much as possible and we had put get we put together three places that we felt like it was a plan and uh we had and we determined prior to going out that we was going to work our plan you know not get out there and just start bushwhacking and uh so we picked three spots three trailheads that looked uh like success you know best you can tell from onyx and all that and uh drove out there and the very first one we drove to it looked really good on the map it had like had water you know reasonable uh when we pull up there there's like uh five trucks and five cattle trailers uh, horse trailers and uh it was just uh wall tents Mm. and my buddy danny i said man I said it must be a good spot because everybody else is. <laughs> but we uh and uh, and and also we realized the mountains look a whole lot bigger than they do on Onyx. You know we we was <laughs> walking right up that mountain. And there's no way we could have done that. And then so <laughs> we dropped back to spot number two, and you know no sweat, right? You know we got a plan. Drop back to spot number two, and got down there, and there was one car or two trucks vehicles parked there and uh and it was just it was no brainer after that you know we said that's where we're gonna go in right there so we just you know found a spot to zero guns make sure we're still on and we did that and and it was just simple as hitting the trail for each of those spots each of those trailheads did you then have specific camp areas or glassing points that you were looking to go to from those access points yes when used on you know had all that all those maps downloaded to our phones and uh, had spots picked, had glassing spots picked Perfect. Uh, from Onyx and uh, Google Earth. You know, you know, I, I can't. I think it was Steve was talking about going there, and one of you two was talking about just actually, you know, like you're looking off the edge, you know, and you know, you know, using Google Earth and just looking around and panning, and I, we mm-hmm. did some of that. You know, we kind of felt like we've been there. Uh, so we when we put when we dropped those waypoints down for uh, glassing spots, we felt confident. You know, we're, we're going to at least go to that spot because we feel like that's a good spot. And never being in that area before and not knowing that's that's a, that is good. That's the best you can do. And mm-hmm. uh, so we did that. And uh, the only thing we fell short on, um, looking back, we did not get where we wanted to camp the first night because. We ran out of gas. Um, so we, you know, got to a spot that we felt like it was, uh, had water. We found water close and, uh, it was a halfway decent flat piece of ground. And, uh, that cows wouldn't trying to take over because we was all in some cows. Uh, some farm rancher, you know, had the cows free ranging up in there. And, uh, so we was dealing with that too. But <clears throat> we decided we'll, we'll stop here. It was plenty of daylight. We weren't going, you know, I didn't want to do a, uh, 
hike way up into the dark and try to set up camp in the dark. So we decided this is good enough. Now, what we did do, and I thought was real smart, we could do it. We went in three days early. That was a that was a big plan of ours to go in deep three days early prior to opening morning and find and, and that was our goal was to find a good shooter deer and sit on it because we had it was a big it's a big decision for us to go whether we was wanting to go opening morning or mid season you know we didn't know what to do so we decided to go in there with the mindset we're going to find a mule deer that hadn't been bumped yet. And find him, sit on him, get him fit. You know, what's his routine? You know, if he's coming out here every afternoon or in the morning, and then open the morning, try to get on him quick and shoot him. And <clears throat> I don't know if that was a smart thing to do, but that's what we did. And that's kind of a lot from, I guess, drawing from our Alabama hunting. What we, you know, I know how deer in Alabama are. If you don't bump them and you're watching them in open the morning and ain't nobody bumped them, they're going to be there. Uh, they're still hunting, you know, they're, they're on their belly. They're just looking for food right then. Uh, so that's what we did. And, uh, we found some, I, I cannot get over the, the deer we saw out there, the size. We, we just got in on some really good animals. Uh, and it, so many that, you know, it didn't matter. You know, here's another, let's back up a little bit. We had done discernment that you know, if it was it was three point or better on one side, that was the requirement for that area, and we knew that was a really good opportunity to kill a big deer in those areas. But at the same time, um, we didn't want to come back with nothing, and I would have been glad to come back with a, a spindly buck, and I'd been happy, and because uh, you know I'm 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 that guy that opening morning at first light if a buck walks through and it's in my mind shooter i'm shooting mm-hmm. and relax and chill out the rest of the hunt uh i'm not the guy that's gonna let a big nice deer walk by or or, or whatever I, or I consider a shooter i'm not gonna let it walk if, I, if i'm going out there to shoot a deer i'm gonna shoot one uh so i had it in my head but when i got down there and that that first evening we sat down and lo and behold the, the the ridge we wanted to glass on was in front of us. That's the ridge we wanted to get up on and glass down on. And it was so I told my buddy, I said, let's just sit down right here and we'll just set camp. We'll we'll, we'll get there in the morning. Let's not blow our legs out on the first day. But we sat in and we started, you know, getting camp ready and got everything set up and uh uh was cooking some supper and uh I uh, my buddy Danny says, Let's just get our glass out and glass this hillside. And we did, you know, and they was there and we saw some big animals right there. I said, that is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. That's Wyoming though, you know, and, uh, we got on some good animals right there. And, uh, uh, every, every morning, every afternoon we found animals and had it all to ourselves until opening, uh, evening. Then when of course a bunch of locals came in there and we had to deal with that, but we, we didn't go in as deep we thought we was going to you know we we just stayed running up that three to five mile range right there and was in so many ants was in so much deer uh i couldn't i couldn't leave the deer we found uh to walk another hill to see if one's bigger because uh what i ended up killing was bigger than anything i dreamed i was ever going to kill and uh and once i saw that mule deer up there it was hard to walk away you know, uh, the biggest pro- challenge we had was who's going to shoot it. You know, me and my buddy both saw it. And, uh, and, and I honestly, I'd have been happy if he'd shot it and he'd been happy if I shot it. I could care who shot it. Uh, but it so happened it came across in front of me that opening morning. How was that discussion or that decision made? I mean, maybe it just sounds like you got the opportunity first, but, um, ahead of time, how were you guys kind of handling that? Well, we, it came up, believe me. And, uh, um, like I said, my hunting partner, um, you know, they're jewel, you know, when you find a good hunting partner, you know, and y'all know what I'm talking about. It's they're rare to find one that you just jail that good with. And, um, no one that went, it never came down to, uh, who was going to shoot it. Uh, I guess the night before the morning before, you know, our goal was to find it and laying in bed. We, we put it to bed that night. We found it and uh and put it. We, we, but let me back up. We saw three deer 
that was equal to the deer I killed. And uh, so we knew there's more than one on that hill. And uh, I think in the morning, I would have, I would have, uh, if we had seen that deer in the morning and glassed him sitting or, you know, something like that, uh, I was sure enough would have given him opportunity to shoot because he'd only been out there once before. And the first time he went out there, he wasn't successful. So he came back tagless. And I've been out there before. Not I never killed a mule deer, but I've had pretty good luck going out there in the past. But it just so happened the next morning, it came through, and uh, within seventy yards of me, where oh, I was, wow. yeah. And it just come it, that and a little forky came through, and I shot it, and uh, uh, it was that it was and it was that easy, and it was it was done that quick. It was just crazy, you know, uh, how fast it happened. But you know, we we knew where they were, and we went up there before. You know, we got up at four in the morning. And that's something else I want to tell people too. Months before going out there, I was getting up at four in the morning, going to bed about eight eight thirty, because uh, that's what you do out west. I mean, you I mean, once it's dark, you go to bed. Uh, there's nothing else to do, and you get up hours before daylight, and and, and that's what. I, so I was so in that routine. I went out there. We got up about four o'clock and hiked up to where we wanted to get that elevation, and we we, we just sat down in, at a at a vantage point where uh we felt like we knew they was going to come out on that hillside and we was just going to sit there in glass and i was prepared we was prepared to stay there all day that was the plan hunt that top up there and uh and glass that because every evening we had seen big deer we me and him both agreed that we'd shoot any of them and be glad to have them and uh so we was prepared to sit there you know and to dark and uh you know lo and behold the one i shot came down that a little forky came running together trotting outside there and uh i was just at the right place at the right time i hate to say it's a lot of luck i guess you know it came through and uh i just pulled up and shot it um and it happened that quick yeah well i mean it was it was quote-unquote luck after doing a lot of planning work <laughs> yeah well <laughs> so you know it, it sounded like a lot of luck yeah you know it, well, you know, the plan after listening to your podcast and, you know, other uh, Randy Newbern and watching lunches and YouTube videos, our thought was <clears throat> we could find them, you know, use our spotting glass, find them. Because uh, I know you got to do a lot of bow hunting. And I do bow hunting as well, but um, I, I, I felt like they really stacked the cards if I went out there and bow hunted because it, it did come up, conversation. But our goal was to find them, uh, find them bedded and put a stalk in and set up on them and wait till they got, you know, stood up or got turned correctly and, and, and shoot them that way. That was what we thought we was going to go do. And uh, lo and behold, <clears throat> it didn't work out that way. And I, I'm not complaining because we put it together. Uh, but I got mine that morning. And, uh, and of course, the rest of the day is getting it back to camp. And uh, that was uh, that was tough. Uh, but we got it done. You know, I don't know how many deer I've, you know, have, have cleaned in the field or gutted and, and, and I quarter, I, I do all my own process. And so I'm pretty proficient at it. And my buddy does as well. Well, toting that weight, that's a, that's, that's for real. And, uh, got it back, got it hung up and, uh, man, you know, grinning ear to ear. And, uh, then, the, then you have that stress of, uh, your partner, you know, uh, he's happy for you, but at the same time, you don't want to ride back. 22 hours and front seat of a truck when somebody's and one of you tagged out no one didn't yeah so the whole focus now is for him to get whatever it takes you know whatever he needs whatever i can do i'm i'm there for that because my you know he's gonna help me my deer's hung it's in the shade it's good and uh so that evening we that eat that that ridge we was glassing it was always better in afternoons and uh so that evening, the plan was I was going to stay at camp in glass, and uh, he was going to go up that hill. And uh, and and, it, and we did. You know, I'm sitting there, and he he <clears throat> took nothing up there but a gun and, some, you know, his, his binos and a knife and a headlamp, stripped his bag down, and, of course, some water, I'm sure. And he went up there and uh, went up the top. <clears throat> Got him behind, got in behind some furs up there and kind of got tucked in there. And uh, I'm glassing. I can see him up there. And uh, 
I'm watching him, you know, and uh, sure enough, about an hour before dark, they start coming out and working hillside over. And I'm, you know, I'm looking at him and, you know, sitting there watching him. And all of a sudden, you know, about 30 minutes later, you know, I hear this gunshot and it sounded like it came from behind me. I'm, we're not a basin between two hollers, two canyons, or I don't know what y'all, I call them hollers and a holler, but I don't know if y'all call them hollers. But, uh, uh, but it sounded like it came from behind me. But when I look at him, I pull Bombinos up and look at him. He's got his rifle up. I thought, what is he doing? And, uh, <laughs> I didn't realize he just shot and it was echoing off the mountain behind me. And then, um, I look up there and I said, I said, my God, he just shot. And I never could see it because it's just how the, the terrain was. And, uh, it's way up there too. You know, I'm looking through my binos. I can make him out. I'm getting my spotter out and I'm spotting on my spotter. And he's got his rifle pulled up again. I'm sitting there watching him. And then he, he gets up and he takes off down through there. And lo and behold, he shot a full, a nice full before as well. And, uh, um, uh, then I never saw it. And, and of course, you know, I knew uh, I had to climb that hill. <laughs> oh, you know, so, um, and it's like an hour before dark, right? So I got my bag and I have nothing in there uh, but my knife, a headlamp, some uh, some cord. And, uh, I, and I, you know, I take off. And by the time I get up there, it's dark. And uh, it's so steep where he shot this deer that we had to tie the deer off to a, a, a snag, a tree that fell up there. So it'd keep it from falling off the side of the mountain. And, uh, so I, we got it tied off and everything. We're cutting it up and, uh, in, in, in the terrain, it's just terrible. It's just a hillside. And, uh, you know, we take a quarter off, put it in a game bag and the game bag would want to fall off the side of the hills. We had to tie the game bag to the tree that was a deadfall. So we got it all cut up and got it down. And uh, I think we got down about 12 o'clock at night and got back to camp but man it was that's such a great feeling you know he tagged mm-hmm. out, i tagged out opening day yeah we had packed we planned on staying up there for that whole week and uh had the food to do that and uh you know had everything ready and uh we'd been there for uh i guess that was the fourth morning the fourth day that opening morning was and uh so it was just man it was nice i mean you just grinning ear to ear uh, mm-hmm. uh good times uh but then you know uh packing it out man it's just that's that was such work uh, you know and i tell my kids we you know we've been eating on this mule deer uh since we got back and uh not i told them all we pretty much all eat uh all we eat is pretty much deer meat anyway and i said this mule deer not one piece will be wasted I said, you know, we eat like, <laughs> and the other night they had some leftovers. I said, I said, put it in the refrigerator. We're not throwing nothing away. I said, I toted this deer for so many miles, not one piece will be wasted, you know, because uh, it was just so. And every time I eat that deer, I think about it, and it's just so much work. But it's man, you know, most rewarding trip I've ever been on. Beautiful country. It's amazing. Wyoming, the high country, just looking glassy for miles, just uh, big sky. And, you know, a boy from Alabama who's never been out past the Mississippi River, just, just you know, here just recently, you know. Um, it's it's and anybody sitting at home in the south and, you know, thinking about going to, out west, they need to do it. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Really. Did you guys one trip the, the bucks out or did you have to do a couple trips? No, I, I, I'm not man enough to do that. I hear, I know, I know, I'm heavy, heavy weight, but, uh, uh, yeah. for me, uh, it took me, took us three trips. Uh, okay. That's camp too. Meeting. That's yeah. the, that's the get back to the truck. It was three trips. Yeah. Um, uh, that's and, work. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, and what we did, uh, we did two trips one day and then we camped at the truck, uh, and then went back up the next day and came back out again. And, you know, uh, my deer was in velvet and I never, <clears throat> I never thought about that. You know, that's something we talk about too, because the early season like that, you know, you got a bunch of hard horns running around, a bunch of them in velvet. And, and, and that's something that I did not have on my uh, radar. I never thought about it. Didn't even think about it. I just figured everything was hard horn and getting them heads home legally. 
is a, a big deal. And uh, so <clears throat> that evening when he was up there hunting, I was sitting there fleshing my skull out, you know, as if I was going to European money, because that's all I was going to do anyway. I've got too many heads to hang. I, I can't, I'm not doing any more uh, full mount heads anymore. Uh, so I was going to European mount, and uh, we had brought a big bowling pot out there, a uh, propane bottle, and some, uh, you know, a turkey pot. You know, we just going to sit there and bowl the heads at camp, you know, and then go out and come home that way. Well, <clears throat> that the one I had was in velvet. And I was scared to even try that. I figured he'd ruin it, you know. So I just sit there and while he was up there hunting, I was sitting there working on the, the, the skull, getting all the flesh off of it, and getting it cleaned up as good as I could. And uh, when we came down, um, the first time, the first trip, we came down with uh, uh, nothing but meat, and uh, and then the heads. Because I knew I was going to do something with my head. I really didn't know what to do. And, I, and this is where I did drop the ball. I uh, didn't even have that on the radar. But I came down, and we had our coolers still had ice in them. And one of y'all's podcast really talks about cooler prep. And we I did that exactly. what, And it worked. Uh, I still had ice in my cooler, uh, <clears throat> which I was surprised. Um, and uh, so I got down. And then I, realized, I told my buddy Danny, I said, we're going to have to go town. And I just decided that I was going to try to find taxidermy and give his head to him. I wasn't too, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a horn hunter too much. I'm more of a meat eater. But when I got down to that trailhead, the locals saw that deer's head, the rack, and they went, they, they got me excited because they just kept on. I mean, we stood there an hour where they measured it. They measured it three times trying to score it. You know, they just got real excited about it. And, 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 because, you know, Wyoming, you know, they got big deer. And uh, the more they got excited about it, the more I started getting excited about it. I <laughs> you know? And then I ran into this local guy. He knew where I, you know, he said, I've been watching that deer for seven years. And it was a bit, it was a pig of a deer. I mean, I, it was. What did it measure at? Uh, They they measured up. It's 180, uh, upper 186. It's right uh-huh. in that area. That's deer. Phenomenal buck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, hey, for Alabama guy, I was just grinning, and you know, grinning like a little possum. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, the local guys just kept on, you know, gawking and gawking, and they finally got a tape measure out and measured it, measured it, and then, and then I just said, you know what, golly. So I, I went to town, and I believe the taxidermy is uh, high country taxidermy, and uh, and outstanding people, man, golly, bum. Wyoming, everybody in Wyoming is awesome. So I just called him on the phone, and uh, he's a crazy guy. He's like, I think he's on a tractor. And uh, he, I heard his tractor, and he cut it off. He said, yeah, what can I do for you? And I thought I called the wrong number. He, he said, yep, that's us. And uh, he gave me some directions. And when I got there, it was like talking to my grandparents or something. Just laid back, you know. I told him, I gave him the animal's head, and I said, I, you know, whatever, just, you know, plaque it and mail it to me. And they did, and that's how I got mine home. And we just took his back and, uh, well, took it back, put it in the truck, went back up that hill and got our, uh, some more meat, come back down. And the second time we came down, we come back with meat and camp. And then we came back down to the truck and set up camp again, a, a little base set, you know, and, our, uh, and, and camped out and boiled that head all night long and picked it and boiled it and picked it and got it cleaned up enough that you know it was done and uh, pretty much the european mount for his next morning went back in and got the rest of the meat and uh and then we came out uh and of course even now i want to make sure everybody understands even with all that uh prepping this summer running uh rooking uh we were still tired i mean you know you're exhausted I, I, oh, you know, yeah. maybe i wasn't in, uh, in condition enough but you know, once you go up in that elevation, you know, I, I think it's about 80, 7,800, 8,000 feet at the base. So we're, you know, about 92, I don't know, uh, 9,000 plus feet is where we was, you know, hunting and just, just walking that up and down, walking it up and down. And of course, you know me, I'm, I'm, I think I told you, uh, Mark, and, and, uh, and some of the emails that, uh, you know, uh, on my knuckleheads, uh, I went in the first, forgot my medicine, 
you know, mm. that's, you know, that's, you know, I'm sure y'all have done it before. You lay in a tent that night thinking, what did I forget? And then about, oh my God, I forgot my medicine. And, you know, you're way back in the country. And you're like, yeah, I got to hike out in the morning. And that's what I got to do, you know. <laughs> I got up the first morning and I told my buddy Danny, I said, guess what I get to do? He said, well, I, I got to go back to the truck. I forgot my medicine. Uh-huh. And, he's, and I said, well, I'll be back. And I, I showed back up about 12 o'clock and I left at sunup. And uh, so I, I got to do that. So I had legs miles on my legs versus. <laughs> but that's, you know, that, that's the that's the, the hunt, you know, it's uh to go back to uh, what you ask, you know, how we pick our spots, how we do that. And uh, uh, I can't stress, there's so much. You know, I literally would watch any, I'd Google, I guess, in any call Google, I'd go on YouTube and put in Region G, Wyoming, and I'd watch every YouTube video I could find on that. Mule um, hunting in Wyoming exhausts everything just trying to find anything you can find information, spend a lot of hours doing that and podcast. And, and that's what I would tell people that, uh, who would be interested to go out West on a hunt. There's a lot of things available now that, uh, you can find and get a lot of answers. You know, you'd literally, you know, if you're a guy who's never been out there, when you watch like Randy Newberg on TV and you're literally looking at his boots, his gaiters, his pants, his belt, his gun, his backpack, his hydration, glassing, because all of that is got to be purchased. Uh, it don't have to be, but you know, um, you're looking at it because you don't know what you you need to get. So it's a lot of. That's where I would, it can be overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Can you touch real quick on? Um, you mentioned getting the head back legally in that. I know that there's, I think, for that area, some regulations and certain rules with CWD. Um, related issues there can you kind of explain what you had to do um specifically for that yeah um what the big thing for us uh was the uh getting i didn't want to my first concern was not uh you know bringing a head back that wouldn't clean and get stopped because i've been checked by game wardens out there in the past uh because it's pretty pretty regularly as a matter of fact especially hunt out on uh an antelope on the uh, around Bill, I got checked every time I went out there. So we just wanted to make sure uh, that the heads were clean, as it talks about in the, uh, the guide uh, regulations. And the uh, my deer head went, of course, it wouldn't bolt or nothing. It would just pick, uh, you know, fleshed out and went to the uh, taxidermist. And my other buddies, what we did, we just we just boiled it and then brought it back the head. Uh, and that's, that's pretty much all we did on our, our beer. Awesome, Win. We feel like we could probably talk for another hour and ask a whole bunch more questions, but this has been um, just fun to hear, you know, the story. Yeah. And we love any time just regular guys getting out there and getting after it. And so sharing your story will hopefully encourage, um, you know, us and a lot of listeners to do the same. So thanks for the time. Yeah, thank you so much. And I can't stress how much I appreciate y'all, too, for uh, the podcast and, uh, you know, setting aside and exhausting uh, doing it the way you do because it really uh, it helped me so much, uh, you know, and that's what uh, people need to realize. Uh, I mean, I know y'all have to sell backpacks and, and, and design and build backpacks, but this podcast is so bigger than that. Um, just exhausting all the different ways you know just just how to glass how to exhaust glass in the hillside that's something that you just don't do back where i live uh and i just thank y'all uh you know because uh, i i feel like that these podcasts uh, you know the, the way i'm wired i have to put you know everything as a I'm trying to solve the problem and uh a lot of my uh Perhaps since I had to resolve and all the issues, I couldn't have resolved without the podcast. So thank y'all for that podcast, y'all's podcast. Well, as always, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show and also to provide your feedback. If you have anything to share with us, send us an email directly to podcast at exomountaingear.com.